0: She did it her way podcast, episode 116, shape your resilience with
1: Nita Bouchon. Welcome to the She did it her way podcast, a collective of interviews with top female entrepreneurs from around the globe who have done it their way. These women are disruptors, savvy, courageous, confident, innovative, decisive, unconventional, and humble. Our ladies have proven business models, have taken risks, and have failed only for success to follow. Join us as they share their stories, behaviors, habits, mindset, thought processes, and what it is like to be a woman who means business. And now, here's your host, Amanda Bolin. Hey, She Did a Her Way listeners. I
0: hope you guys had a fantastic Christmas. And if you guys celebrate Christmas and you're having a great holiday and New Year's Eve, New Year's is just around the corner this weekend. Super exciting time. And I can't wait for you guys to listen to this podcast interview with Nita because it is all about emotions and shaping your resilience, rising above the triumphs and obstacles that you have in your life, which is perfect, BNS 2017 is right around the corner. And we talk about if you feel like you're living a lie of perfection in your life, and maybe you're constantly putting your emotions aside to maintain this perfect image of a job or relationship, but deep down you are not happy. And Nita has an incredible story herself, and she's gone through that. And she's she has risen above so many times, and she is vulnerable and shares that with us in this podcast. So make sure you guys stay tuned for Shape Your Resilience with Nita Bouchon. Okay guys, welcome back for our podcast episode. We have Nita Bushan, and I'm so excited to welcome her to the show. I'm not even going to give you guys an introduction. I'm just going to let her take it over. So tell us what it is that you do and then I we will start with your journey because I read it and it is fantastic and it and has inspired me.
2: Whew. Wow. Well, first of all, Amanda, thank you so much for bringing me on. Super, super excited and jazzed to be part of the show. Um, let's see. I kind of have been doing lots of things lately, uh, but I guess you can say I am um, now an author, a best-selling author, uh, a strategist, and an educator. on emotional intelligence and emotional confidence.
0: So then tell us how you got there too. Like take us all the way back to your story about where you grew up and then what you decided to go be a doctor and all that jazz.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's super, I mean, it's, it's super fun, super interesting. And it's nice when you can kind of connect the dots, but I actually grew up, um, was born and raised in Chicago, uh, to immigrant family. My mom was from the Philippines. My dad was from India and I was the oldest of two younger brothers. And so kind of traditional family, first generation, you know, the ideas, especially growing up in Chicago, which is a melting pot. Um, the idea was, you know, education, education, getting straight A's, um, you know, and on my mom's side, because she came from a whole, uh, we have a whole lineage of pageant queens. So my my grandmother, my grandmother was a pageant queen, my great-grandmother was a pageant queen, my aunts were all pageant queens, and she was a pageant queen. So lots of pressure to not only, you know, beauty was paramount to her, and so lots of pressure to, you know, not only look beautiful, but also, you know, those those pressures of, of um, taking care of yourself and, you know, prim and proper and, and that sort of thing. So that was on my mom's side. And my dad, being traditional Indian, he was not going to have anything of that. <laughs> so, uh-huh. he came from a long lineage of educational success and legacy, and uh, you know, building wealth. And so, um, my grandfather was a—he was ambassador to UNICEF, and so oh he gosh. basically passed that down. Yeah, my grandfather—he uh, actually traveled to about twenty-six countries and spoke tons of different languages. And wow. so, um, so the combination really. Um, put extraordinary pressures uh, for the family to not only look good, but also to be uber smart and successful in all of those traditional ways. Um, And so I grew up playing the piano, I grew up, you know, getting shuffled from one class to the next, and um, you know, tutoring, etc., etc., so, you know, kind of quite the full uh, life, you know, growing up in in Chicago, but uh, things kind of you know, took a, took a little turn, um, when I was 10 years old, uh, my mom, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. And, you know, I remember when, you know, she was diagnosed, I had I first had, you know, chickenpox, and, you know, when you're 10 and you've got chickenpox, and, um, and my brothers were five and, uh, and seven. So it was, um, you know, it's it's tough because you don't have your mom there. And so that was like the first point of resilience. And obviously throughout my life's, you know, journey, um, it's kind of all revolved around resilience and, and grit. And so, so it was, I remember that moment where, you know, you're kind of you're, you're itching so bad and you know all you want to do is kind of have that comfort from you know your mm-hmm. parents and you know I was left at home because she's the oldest she can take care of herself and everyone was at the hospital you know waiting for my mom to get out of surgery because she had a double mastectomy and um, you know it was in that time and now kind of she battled this cancer for six years and so in that time the cancer spread to her lungs Uh, and her brain. And so, you know, we kind of grew up basically going to the hospital. And, you know, the one thing that I yearned for the most, because my mom was very strict with a lot of things that we did or, or, or couldn't do just because things had to be perfect, um, was, you know, we tried to gain her love in in so many ways. So I remember because we would go to, you know, piano lessons and violin lessons and, you know, um, dance lessons, we would literally be the performing staff for when she was in the ICU, kind of on her deathbed. And so, you know, could still remember, you know, coming after school, kind of parading in our trophies, uh, you know, to win that smile on her face. And so mm. that's kind of when I knew, okay, well, pleasing others meant validation and pleasing others meant, okay, I can make them happy because that was the only time that I saw my mother happy when she was actually you know, on her, um, essentially her, you know, her, her deathbed. Um, and so, so that was, that was when I was 16. And now, you know, a year later, um, you know, losing your mom in a culture where, you know, women are, are everything to the family. They're, they're everything. They, they cook clean, you know. So my dad was, um, he, he, Kind of didn't know what to do being traditional Indian, so I kind of took a lot of the responsibilities um, in the house. So the cooking, the cleaning, the taking care of my younger brothers, all of that. And um, my brother DJ, um, so he was the the jokester of the house. Uh, he actually a year after my mom died, um, we were all starting to kind of you know recoup the pieces back into our lives and. Um, He actually came home, well, we were supposed to meet after school for, it was our, um, it was our homecoming, Um, you know, senior year homecoming, and I'd applied to all of these, you know, different schools to, you know, to leave, um, to leave Chicago, got into all of Ivy League schools, and, you know, made my dad proud, all of those things, but I really thought that this time was going to be the time that I would venture out on my own, Mm. and so... um. Whatever for whatever reason that day, my brother uh, he didn't bring his inhaler to school, so um, he actually had a horrible asthma attack, and um, you know during that attack his lungs collapsed over his heart, and no, um, and he died, and so he died, uh, and it happened to be exactly a year after my mom died, and on my youngest brother Vinay's 12th birthday.
0: Oh my gosh, I'm so, that's, wow.
2: Yeah, so, um, so obviously we were kind of, you know, paralyzed in shock, uh, given that we'd already endured one loss, and then, you know, I mean, this literally set my dad into like a whole, you know, slew of just, I mean, he was, he was in shock and completely depressed, so he couldn't work, and... You know we had some interesting times um you know some very tough and some very real times uh you know um you know and and pride and legacy for my family was very important so even sharing some of those most um you know humbling times with the rest of our family was something my dad couldn't do so i was really left to you know save the face and still entertain the family still have people coming over to visit us and um working three jobs because my dad at that point was just you know he had just lost his wife and his son so um and still trying to get the straight a's i mean it was you know it was insurmountable pressure so um you know two years after that you know when our family was kind of you know healing again and obviously health became such a huge priority in my life um You know, my dad actually, after a routine checkup, he was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer.
0: Oh, my gosh.
2: And so it was just, you know, one after the other with with all of these points of resilience. And before I was 19, um, I had lost my mom, my brother, DJ, and uh, my father to medical (sighs) illnesses. And so I was left to, you know, be the mother of my younger brother, Vinay, um, who was 14, and you know, we were we were orphaned and um, you know, I remember that the first time that I experienced you know, the taste of actually freedom. You know, and not having to care for anybody else was when I was when I went away to um, you know one of those college summer programs abroad, and I was in Italy. But It was for the first time a year after my dad died that I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have to wake up on Saturday mornings anymore. I don't have to go and, and, and work because <laughs> I've been doing that for five years, um, and that was for the first time in my life that it was you know you know being able to take care of myself and being able to kind of think of oh my gosh i don't really have to take care of anyone right now this feels kind of nice and it's kind of weird and you feel kind of guilty and shameful and so um so fast forwarding in my 20s then was kind of a slew of you know dysfunctional relationships you know, extreme educational success. So I became what every, you know, Filipino and Indian girl would be is a doctor, dentist, lawyer, engineer. So I became a a dentist and not just a regular dentist. I I had to become a cosmetic dentist because everything had to be perfect in my life. Mm. Um, And fixing other people's issues and making other people feel good about themselves really lit me up because during those, you know, pain points in my own life, I I couldn't be in that control, right? And Mm. so... Um, so paying it forward for others was a big central part of my life. And it's also been you know, a huge part in how I viewed relationships because I also did that in every single relationship that I had, uh, which led me into my next uh, phase of growth. Um, and resilience you know I attracted the perfect partner to teach me what that would look like and so you know you might think well why is she saying it like that because um, you know five years ago that sparked this entire journey was uh, when I decided to leave my very physically abusive and emotionally abusive marriage and so so it was I mean this is all before 30 right and so I don't know if you read anything about you know kind of like astrology or anything oh like no I love that, that stuff whole- <laughs> oh God yeah like
0: actually one of my girlfriends I was with her uh this past weekend and she we' were talking about attracting men in our lives and how they like they we either help teach them something or they teach us and like uh, the shared fire flame or like you have cords attached to another person and Oh, yeah, yep. no, and, like, I I look at all the guys that I've dated previously before my fiancé, and I'm like, okay, I learned a lot from them, and I, like, know that my fiancé has, like, I've learned a lot about myself, and, yeah, I, I'm totally, girl, I'm totally attracted <laughs> with you, i totally, I'm well, into that stuff. Yeah,
2: so it was kind of like, okay, this is, like, my whole Saturn return, you know, everything in yeah. your life is kind of, like, blowing up in your face, but, you know, I I think that, um it's it's within those lessons that we grow the most and now i teach this all over the world and you know it's just it validates every single day that you know, our biggest pain points in our life is our largest blessings. And so, you know, while, you know, I've obviously experienced this at such a, gr- you know, a grave level because, you know, for me, I wanted to create a family that I would lost in my teens. And so in my 20s, I was working hard to kind of do that and, and, you know, kind of chase that traditional realm of success. So it was, you know, basically trying to be accepted because I didn't want to be known as, okay, you know, this pity party, because she lost her whole family, and, um, you know, and, and it was also the this, this chip on your shoulder to prove to the world that, you know, kind of, that, that you're worthy, that you're not this just, you know, this story, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was a big a big part of my early twenties. And so I attracted, you know, tons of, you know, different love partners that what I would do is I would hold on to these toxic relationships because I felt that, oh my gosh, if I let this one go, who's going to want me, Mm. you know? And it was, it was, um, it was really because of, it was a whole mindset of pleasing other people to make you feel good. Yeah. Because you didn't really know how to, you didn't really know how to take care of yourself. You didn't really know who you were, and so it took me about a decade, you know. And and fine, I you know I you, no one would ever think that because from the outside, you know, I had a million dollar home, I had first class travel, I had you know a six figure Bollywood wedding that was over a week. I mean, you know, it was like the quintessential picture perfect couple. But on the inside, I was I was dying. On the inside, I you know I was sick of just living this lie. Of just perfection on the outside of and essentially it was you know um, it, it was reminiscent of what I grew up with you know the the prim proper for the sake of ego pretension um, but violence right mm-hmm. and so um, So when I left, I mean, you know, obviously that was the biggest decision I could ever make, you know, leaving my house in the middle of the night. And I'm not going to get into the details around that, Um, but I learned tremendously about you know, what it means to put yourself first and what it means to fill your cup up first, and what it means for so many women and wives and mothers that if we don't fill our cups up first and we're taking care of every single person before us, I mean, there's only a certain amount of time until you go batshit crazy. <laughs> and, like, yeah. you know, and then you get resentful and you get angry and you're putting your wants and desires on somebody else to fill them for you. And I mean, I did all of that. I mean, you know, and I don't know if um, you resonate with the idea, you know, we attract what we are. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, I attracted that sort of relationship in my life to really teach me, okay, you need to know how to take care and create your own boundaries and stand for your boundaries, stand for yourself. Um, and also know when to say no. Mm. Right. Um, and that's where, you know, self worth comes in a ton. So I, I teach, you know, that tremendously because, um, with a lot of, now I, I do a lot of executive leadership coaching, but, um, even with these top leaders and these top males that I work with around the world and, of course, a lot of females. But, you know, I was so fascinated by human dynamics on every single level. And for me, it was this, you know, spiral of intense growth in every single walk. You know, I'm a scientist. I was a doctor by trade, right? You know, so, you know, I kind of started when I was on this growth path of myself you know I started picking up every single self-help book. You know, prior to that, I thought, "Oh gosh, self-help, you know, you know, I'm a I'm a, I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. I went to school for this." You know, just very much ego-laden and no one can help you and I see this a lot in the professional services industry. It's like we feel entitled because we were in school for so long that we, you know, feel the need that we we are a know-it-all and we, mm. we, we are everything and we, we deserve that title. You know, I remember graduating from dental school and, you know, um, correcting people <laughs> to call me DR before my name and all of my credit cards, you know, had to have the, the word DR just for me to feel recognized and important and significant. And so, um, you know, several bouts of, you know, life and several different aspects has really taught me about, you know, the journey of acceptance and obviously self-compassion. And for so many female entrepreneurs, we're constantly critiquing ourselves and constantly critiquing and trying to make things better. And so um, this led me on this path of really, you know, trying to investigate and understand and interview several leaders, not only female and male, um, but, you know, from de- from every single sort of sector. So it led me to travel to about 45 different countries in the last two years. Um, and I arrived at this theory of, you know, Why, as human beings, why, you know, why are we, you know, um, why does it take certain pain points to shape our resilience, right, Mm. and to shape kind of different aspects of our life, to grow us into, you know, better versions of ourselves? And, you know, it, it really relied on these 11 characteristics of, you know, what human behavior dynamics and what emotional intelligence is and what that means, what our emotional health really means. And so it arrived, you know, I arrived at this book called Emotional Grit, and it's really, you know, how to manage our emotions during the toughest times and how to really understand, you know, the perspective of, you know, and the awareness of why are we feeling the way that we are and how can we choose a different, you know, emotion as a result. So, and for a lot of, Um, you know, for a lot of health professionals and just folks in general, we're just not taught the school of life in school.
0: (laughs) I was just talking to, um, I was at an event last night and I was talking to a student who just graduated from college last May and she was saying, she's like, I don't like my job. I don't even know what I want to do. I don't know what my passion is. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like to me, and and this isn't to her, but like, we don't take time to figure these things out, nor do we emotionally know a lot of times how to process like what it is that we're going through.
2: No, because, you know, society kind of tells you, oh, brush it off, you know, yeah, you've got to be strong. But there's definitely something to that if we keep, you know, suppressing a lot of those feelings and keep distracting a lot of those feelings and we don't let it you know, okay, experience it and then flow and then, you know, release those feelings, then that's just going to get bottled up in every single part of our soul, body, cells. And there's tons of research around there now that actually promotes if we don't focus on, you know, really understanding where our emotions are coming from, where that fear, where that anxiety, where that stress you know, is coming from, well, guess what? If you're stressed more than five times a day, six days a week, you know, there is some sort of disease that sues into your body, whether it's you know irritable bowel so- syndrome or you know something happens with your gut because most of our neuros you know, are in our gut. You know just and obviously this is this this whole you know emotional health and wellness path for me has been so critical because you know I lost my family to this right and so I really wanted to understand you know how can we as humans um, be more aware of our own you know mental well being and overall wellness because in our driving society now, everything is go, go, go. Everything is, how do you hack this? And, you know, how do we get to the next step? And we're constantly chasing, you know, the hamster on the wheel and we're constantly trying to do, do, do. And it's like this never ending rat race
1: mm-hmm. until
2: something actually happens. There is a pain point. And most of the time it's a medical issue. You know, a lot of the times it's an interpersonal issue. Somebody's leaving you, you know, a, a business partner is stealing from you. I mean, you know, there's all these different things, but are we going to wait for some of those things to happen mm-hmm. you know the choice is the choice you know is yours but so that's where I am today super passionate about
0: this dialogue yeah I just want you to keep talking because I'm like getting so I'm like so entrant <laughs> I'm like um yeah I told like the belief of uh, knowing that if we don't handle certain things on our end it like manifests in our bodies or yeah in the in the body and Oh, I totally believe that. So like if I ever get sick, I'm always like, okay, what am I, What what's going on? Like, am I, what am I thinking or like trying yeah. to look at it that way? So I, I mean, my question, one of the questions that I have is someone who has walked and I think like Tony Robbins has some, he's like gave an example about this is that you could have two people growing up and having the same experience, but completely different lenses looking at the situation and how they handle it. And so Uh, what do you think it, it has been for you to be able to always choose the more resilient path in your life?
2: Yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely a combination of a few things. It's, you know, it's obviously your ability to rise up again, which is number one, your own internal foundation, your own internal strength, right? I mean, there were points in my journey and especially when I, when I, you know, had the courage to finally leave, you know, the marriage that I was in and to leave the entire life that came along with that. Um, there were points in time where, you know, I mean, I questioned everything. I questioned, you know, Maybe it's better to be with my parents and brother. You know, I questioned questioned my life. I questioned, you know, I was in my deepest, darkest, you know, depressive moments. And mind you, this was in my 20s or, you know, late 20s, actually. I lost my family in my early 20s when I was 19. And so for a whole decade of suppressing all of those emotions, all of that finally started to emerge like, you know, waterworks. Um, for a period of over a year. And so it was during that time where, you know, when you're in that mode of, um, and, you know, the Zen philosophy is called, you know, the Kensho and Satori moments. And, and I might not be saying this, you know, completely 100%, but Kensho and Satori, there are two different types of moments that you have that there are growth because of you as a person, and they are growth that's shaped by pain in your life. Mm. And so, you know, when you are actually, you know, when you're on that kind of hero's journey, as, as as Joseph Campbell talks about, you know, you might have to go through the tunnel of darkness and slay some dragons and, you know, really rise as a warrior through that, right? So, you know, as Tony Robbins kind of talks about, well, what is it? I mean, it's a combination of your own internal willpower, right? And can can that be cultivated? 100%. Can that be strengthened? 100%. I think the second thing is also your own community, the
0: you know the community that
2: you have or the family that you have, and I, I, I honestly think you know my extended family because if it wasn't for them to really be there, um, you know, during those like precious, precious moments of just growth, I mean. Taking care of us, sacrificing their own life. I mean, they came out in droves on my mother's side and my father's side. They're all in Chicago and to really be there for us. I mean, they obviously didn't really know, but they did what they, you know, they did their best. And so if their best was saying, well, you still have to get straight A's, I mean, you know, they were still there to shape and to cultivate, okay, well, if that's what it means for, you know, X, Y, and Z, is it good or bad? I don't know. But you know, I had that purpose, right? So it's like, what do you have? What kind of do you have this community that's going to help shape you? You know, some people have, we need to have some sort of comfort or safety um, or certainty is what Tony Robbins talks about. And, you know, for some people, it might be religion, it might be church, it might be that sort of community. For some people, it might be yoga. But, you know, tapping into some sort of spiritual essence, like I practiced gratitude ever since I was 10 years old when, Mm. you know, my parents came home with that news and my mom was, you know, after surgery and it was because she raised us Roman Catholic, you know, we had our, you know, our our Hail Marys that we would say every (laughs) night. (laughs) But I mean, from that, it turned into okay, you know, what are we grateful for? And that was something that I practiced early, early on. And, you know, obviously research shows so much of that, you know, builds to your resilience because obviously it changes the brain chemicals in your body that, okay, you're, you're in a different state. So you're able to choose a better, a higher, more emotional state, um, you know, then just kind of wallowing where you're at. Right.
0: Yeah. So, oh, go ahead. Sorry.
2: Oh, no, no, no. And I, you know, the last thing is, is, um, you know, what are you doing to kind of, um, you know, take care of yourself. And so for a lot of people and athletes do this a lot when they're faced with extreme types of diversity, diversity i mean most of the time it's it's training yourself right so they have that self discipline and you see this and obviously i wrote this quite a bit in the book but you know there's something to the movement because if we're if we have this stagnant low energy and you know i work with a lot of depressed and even suicidal clients and many of them are you know high, high profile um you know there is something to that we have we've got stuff in our bodies mm mm-hmm. And we've got a lot of stuff in our bodies. And I mean, you know, the lymph or the the gunk in our bodies, if we're not shaking it out, if we're not moving it out, you know, energy is, you know, or emotion is energy in motion. So if we don't move it, if we're not jumping up and down, if we're not shaking it off, you know, there's a reason why dance gets our endorphins going. There's a reason why, you know, running for 10 minutes gets your endorphins going. And you're changing the brain chemicals, which then helps you, you know, defeat some of those internal um, feelings that we have in moments of crisis. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I, the, my fiance, the place that my fiance and I moved into has a gym. And so, and, or I was like, oh, I need, I don't need a gym membership now. We have a gym in the building. And I'm like, this is great. No, I, we lived here for two and a half months and I barely worked out because I was so used to going to classes. And then finally I started going to classes and I was like, okay, I know there's a chemical change. Because now I'm like working back out. Um, So I totally, yes, love that. And then the second thing I had is um, talking about that resilience and that grit. Like how do you coach someone through to let go of the ego when like it's not necessarily easier. But, you know, when you have that chip on your shoulder and you want to hold on to it and it kind of like fuels you. But it's really an ego thing that's feeling you how do you coach someone through that to re- to recognize like how to i don't even know what place you would call it to get to but do you know what i'm saying
2: Right. To really partner up with it. I mean, that's what I call it. It's, you know, how to partner up with your ego. Um, You know, obviously working with a ton of doctors, uh, I had a consulting practice before I actually sold and retired from dentistry. But, um, you know, most of the doctors and most of the physicians and the lawyers and, you know, these uh, professional business owners would come to me because they wanted to make their million dollars. They wanted to work less and create more wealth. And so, for a period of time, that's actually what I was helping them do. You know, they wanted to have more freedom in their life, but it was based around ego. And so, you know, I talk about this a lot um, in my book. The, the idea of, you know, we all have egos. We all have egos, and and there's nothing wrong you know, with having an ego. And actually, our ego is there to help protect us, right? So if somebody is, you know, um, you know, challenging you talking crap about you, you know, um, our ego, definitely our shield comes up. Mm -hmm. For some people, it's like a whole freaking wall that comes (laughs) up, you know, but for most of us, we have some sort of an ego that helps protect, you know, protect ourselves, our our inner heart, right? Um, Now, the idea is that the ego also protects us from any fears, So, I always kind of, and this is something I don't, I shouldn't share because if it's used, uh, you know, without um, thoughtful thinking, then it could be manipulated. But, you know, whenever somebody is really presenting with a large ego, you know, the secret there is you know that they're just really deathly afraid of something within themselves. Mm. So I want you to think about that for a moment. You know, when have you had the biggest moment of ego, right? Maybe it was to protect something. Maybe it was to, you know, I work with a lot of startup guys. So, you know, it's to, you know, it's to fake it till you make it. It's to pretend that you have all this, you know, lots of things going on in the background, but really you're just starting out and that's okay, right? Yeah. So sometimes, like I said, it's there to protect us. It's there to guide us, right? Because without the ego we won't be able to create a lot of those things in the world that, you know, exists. And for a lot of female entrepreneurs that are out there, when we have to fake it till we make it, you know, with whatever we're doing with our projects, sometimes the ego has to come into play. Uh, When it becomes dangerous and when it, you know, kind of starts to rule your life, that's when, you know, you can obviously attract either the wrong relationships or, you know, really understand you know how it can be detrimental to you and your character as a human being right mm-hmm. and really understand you know it, the biggest thing is the awareness well oh shoot is my ego coming up again okay I'm saying hi to her hey girl you're you're, you're not gonna rule this one I get it <laughs> you know I get it you're there like you're I there to see protect you me. <laughs> I see you but you're gonna just hang out on the side um you know and that's it, it's I don't think, like, I don't think many of us humans take the time to just practice the idea of being aware, mm-hmm. and that's just knowing where these thoughts and these feelings come from, mm-hmm. and that is the first essential step, because if we're just governing our lives, you know, you know, saying things or doing things without any thought process to where that's coming from well okay actually why is that triggering me again when my fiance my husband my boyfriend you know you know did this thing and he keeps doing this thing you know is it because he doesn't respect me or he doesn't love me or whatever you know we make up all these dialogues in our head and that's ego yeah so we've got to learn to you know to, to I always say to put the ego in the back seat if we need to um, but learn how to partner with it because it's just you know it, it's just our own little defense mechanism that protects us
0: mm-hmm. oh yeah that absolutely um so I have about three more questions for you you, did, yeah. you, you talked about um, female entrepreneurs and so since this podcast is geared towards women and females, is there a trend that you've seen that maybe we experience as women when it comes to emotional grit that you could provide um, insight to as to like how we can work through whatever that major trend is?
2: Oh my gosh, yes. Ah, it's the idea that we don't put ourselves first. Mm. We wallow in... I. And I work with actually two of my programs coming out in 2017 are all geared towards towards women. Oh, you know, fantastic. It's a, yeah. You'll have to let us know. I will. Yes, yes, yes. They're coming out. Actually, there's one that's coming out. It's an emotional grid accelerator. But um, so the idea with, you know, with all of us females, we are perfectionists. We want it done right or we're not going to do it. <laughs> and there's a process to it. And it's not there yet. So we have to refine it and we have to tweak it. And, you know, it's, there's a lot of this chip on our shoulder of, and, and I see it, I get it because, you know, a lot of the females that, you know, either they're in, you know, for myself being one of few, you know, doctors in my class when I was graduating, um, you know, in, 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 a dominated world where it's mostly men, did I have to try to act like a man That's what I thought for the first few years of me practicing. So I fully understand that, you know, in some areas, in some arenas, we feel that we have to prove ourselves. And because we have to prove ourselves, we sometimes limit ourselves because we won't leash things out until it's absolutely 100% perfect. Mm. Whereas a lot of the men that I work with, you know, they're just like, all right, it doesn't, I don't care. I'm just going to throw it up in the air and Just it's fine, ship it. Whatever. Just, yeah, whatever, whatever sticks, let's do it. And, you know, I'll sell a course. It might not be done yet, but, you know, we'll figure it out. Oh know?
0: my gosh, and, it's so true.
2: <laughs> you know, men are so, and we, we learn this from an early age. We learn this, you know, it, you know, there's studies that are done um, that, you know, take boys and girls in in class if a if a if a girl gets a b you know on a test and you know there's a study done in which university you know she was less likely to raise her hands in class now if a boy got a d in class doesn't matter he'll still raise his hand he'll still act obnoxious Interesting. he'll still be bold and go for it yes so it's this innate you know fear that we have. And so, you know, a lot of what I champion for, for female basses, badasses and lady bosses is, you know, we learn so much from our mistakes and we will continue to make mistakes and we have to embrace our failures and our failures are our best teachings.
0: Mm. So go
2: out and throw a bunch of darts out there. I encourage you to do that all day long. It is does not have to be perfect. And that is your own, that's, you know, the first step to really being awareness, you know, having the awareness in your own self to actually say, okay, what is actually driving this right now? Is this my ego? Because, you know, in my previous dialogue, I would think it has to be perfect before I like send it out or, you know, take the next action step or, you know, the other thing is, is, you know, we're so afraid of what people would think. Mm. And so, you know, that it kind of limits our decision making and it kind of limits, you know, how big we can actually, how big we can actually go. And and for a lot of entrepreneurs, we're now starting to get into our passion and into our, you know, purpose and, and things that kind of light us up. And that's why we're kind of shifting towards entrepreneurship. We want to have, you know, freedom, a lot of women are, you know, you know, tackling motherhood and tackling businesses all at the same time. And so the idea is how to balance it all. And, you know, that's the third concept is, you know, balance does not exist, Mm -mm. does not exist. You know, (laughs) you can have internal peace within yourself when you're doing a bunch of things, but the balance does not exist. It's, it's your, um, you know, it's always that strive to see, okay, and have that awareness and say, all right, well, this week or this month, I know that I'm going to get a lot of things done for my business or whatever. So it's also that pre-planning that takes place, right? Internally, because if you can mentally prepare yourself, if you can emotionally prepare yourself with, okay, you know, what characteristics do I need to have? I need to be, you know, I need to, you know, have patience in this aspect. Things aren't going to go as fast, but really knowing, and that's what I say, knowing yourself. If you know what your boundaries are, what your non-negotiables are, um, then yes, can balance be achieved? Absolutely. But it's your internal balance because when you're driving a business or when you're creating a startup, you know, a lot of times it really sometimes it takes you might have to sacrifice things right Mm -hmm. um temporarily is what i'm saying i mean there are some of your non-negotiables um and we get to that in a little you know in a later bit but you have to figure out what those things are first and if your non-negotiables every single day is okay work out 20 minutes in the morning have my yoga for 10 minutes so that you're filling your fuel up you're filling your tank up and then you're going out to you know save the rest of the world (laughs) that's awesome. That is creating your internal balance. I'm not going to say you're going to get everything done because that never happens and just release that because that is not going to happen. It's the biggest thing I teach my females. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of, it's embracing every step on that journey.
0: Yeah. I like how you say the internal balance. I've never heard it, um, positioned that way. I went to, uh, I was at a conference the one time and the keynote, the guy who spoke, He also, he's like, balance does not exist. And the point that he brought up that I was like, oh my gosh, that's so true, is saying that really like sometimes we find balance when we are like physically in our schedule, like out of balance, where he gave an example on a time where he stayed up almost 24 hours and he finished an entire chapter of his book and he was on Red Bull. And he's like, yeah, I may have looked like I was suffering for those two days, but he's like, I felt more in balance after those two days because I was actually moving projects forward than I did just to do maintenance and maintaining and he's like obviously you can't do that every day or every week but when you can find yourself in those times and so I like how you say like internal balance about like what is it a fit for like you as an individual and like how do we find that and I like personally have never struggled with like the um, idea of like getting it all done and I can do it until probably in the past six months and it's like yeah. I'm like, where in the world did you come from? Like, this is not <laughs> I me. Like, I, and typically, like, I don't find myself struggling too much with like getting things out because I'll walk through and I'm like, oh, well, no one's going to die, hopefully, if I put this out. And it's really just an experimentation. <laughs> and, like, right. I found that if you, as long as you don't attach emotion to the outcome of it and you're doing it as a testing, more as like an experiment, yep. it's easier just to put stuff out there, whether what it is. But that whole, like, trying to you know make make sure that I've like made my dinner and make sure that the place is clean and make sure I get my workout and make sure I get oh my, my god all that yes. stuff I'm like where yeah. is this coming from <laughs> and like again going back to the awareness of emotions I'm like okay it's no one it's fine like the plate like my bed can be unmade for a day like it's not <laughs> right. like I'm not gonna go into this like lazy which my dad every day growing up he's like did you make your bed and so like Get, of course, I, I even the, make, our beliefs come up. You right, know? Yeah. right. My dad, one thing, would be like, get back in and make your bed. I even make my bed when I'm at a hotel room. Like, it's, it's Same it, here. I just think of bed, and Same I my here. yeah. Yep. We live in a studio, so I'm like, well, my bedroom is my kitchen, is my like. I'm like, I have to have it clean. But then some days, it's like you just mentally block it out. Anyway, I'm on a tangent. Okay, um, <laughs> gosh. Okay, so tell us as we're we're coming in for a landing too. Um, what, now this is like, what is your most proud, like your proudest moment, your champagne popping moment that you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to let the ego come out and be like, hell yeah, I did this. I earned the right. Yes.
2: Yeah, well, writing that damn book, Amanda, mm. I mean, I, you know, I thought I've, I've written quite a few theses, I guess if that's a word, yeah. um, theses in my life, you know, go, going to dental school and doing a ton of research. I was a chem minor and psych major oh and, you know, all of that stuff. So I did not think that, I was like, oh, writing a book, easy, you know, it's fine. It's stuff, it's, it's what I teach. It's basically part of the, the workshops that I do and, you know, and all these things and um, it because I'm mean, it, it. It's been a feat. I, I I don't think that if if any of your listeners, if any of you guys out there are wanting to write a book, um, are in the process of writing a book, or you know is is your life's mission to write a book. Just disclaimer, um, it takes a lot out of you, and especially for somebody who's used to kind of, you know. Um, you know, juggling different projects all at the same time. I mean, this was really a test of my own emotional grit, of my own patience, of my own, you know, self-acceptance and and self-compassion of, um, you know, you give a book writing project to, you know, a perfectionist. And I literally, I like rewrote it three times. I had four different editors. I mean, I was just, it was just a very interesting uh, process of myself of really knowing when to surrender and let go um, and so when that went out to the publishers, I was like, "Yep, whew. you're like shipped it, done so, <laughs> peace out." Now yeah, I'm just produce exactly. a baby. Right, right, exactly. I'm like, "All right, give me this." I think childbirth should not be that bad <laughs> um, because it was. It literally took me. It was. It took me ten months um, from uh, because we, you know, I had a, a whole team of advisors and. You know getting a bunch of different schools of thought, so from you know Harvard to Yale Center of Emotional Intelligence to Stanford to you know a bunch of the pioneering thought leaders to really weigh in on the science aspect of it um, and then interviewing a bunch of leaders from all different parts of the world I mean as you know uh, those are the fun parts but then really being able to edit it out and make mm-hmm. it so that it's you know palpable for um, you know for the masses and so I have to say yes. So I, I proudly say that I am an author now.
0: Yeah. Um, because <laughs> yeah,
2: that was that was a that was a tough beat.
0: Yeah, I'm, that's incredible. I'm gonna order the book after we get off the phone. By the way, too, oh, I can't yeah. wait to read it. Um, <laughs> so two two last uh, questions. One is, what's one or two of your favorite books that you've read that it was like a game changer for you?
2: Uh yes. So my first book that kind of led me down this path. Um, and this was given to me by a friend and it literally sat on my desk uh for months because at that point in time I was really I was reading a lot from Thich Nhat Han, which is, you know, a Zen monk and he lives in uh in France and so um so I was reading a lot of Thich Han, and a lot of Wayne Dyer, which, you know, any mm. Wayne Dyer book, uh, I totally, totally recommend um, The Power of Intention.
1: Mm. It's
2: huge. That was a huge game changer. But this book actually was um, kind of the Cliff's Notes version of many different, you know, development books and growth books. And um, it was by, it's by Brian Johnson. And, you know, funny enough, you, this, this book was given by a friend. And, you know, what he does is he does this like Cliff's Notes versions of all of these books into hit into one whole book.
0: Oh. And now he's got
2: like a whole program around it. Yeah, it's called um, Philosopher's Notes. Okay. And um, <laughs> two years after that journey, I came full circle and I ended up invested I ended up investing in his company. But, um, but Oh, my that gosh. Yeah, it was crazy because that's the book that actually changed my life because it was almost like this Bible that you have on your bedside um, of just short little snippets, you know, of just kind of daily reminders. And there's there's many books like that. But, um, you know, the Philosopher's Notes, it was a that was the one that sparked this entire journey of growth. And then, um Yeah. So then I started seeking out all these, you know, um, coaches and healers and yogis and, um, you know, Tony Robbins and uh, Landmark and all these other, um, yeah, fun, fun
0: events. Yeah. And you're going to Tony tomorrow, aren't you? I am. Yeah. I'm I'm in Miami right now. Yeah. So (laughs) jealous. I want to get to one of his um, programs before he stops doing them.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one since the the documentary um, came out. So I'm part of, I'm on their leadership group, so...
0: Oh my gosh, um, fantastic.
2: Yeah, yeah, so it's been... I mean, it's, it's actually been interesting. Last year when I went to Tony Robbins, um, I was there just to really understand because he uses a lot of different types of, um, psychological tools to break people down, mm-hmm. um, and really help them reprogram their mind. Uh, and so I thought I was coming there just for pure educational purposes. And I ended up sobbing and crying and you know, all of these things. And it's because of that event that I've now attracted my, um, new love partner. Oh, and so this is interesting because we're actually going there together.
0: (laughs) How fantastic is that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing. It's kind of fun.
0: So, okay. One, one last question is if you could give your life a movie title and it could be made up, what would you give it?
2: (laughs) Ooh, the perfect daughter.
0: Oh, I, okay. And that I assume is coming back full circle from just your entire journey. (laughs) Basically. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. This has been amazing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I know you're a super busy gal, so thanks for hopping on. I feel like the time just like flew by.
2: Oh, it totally did. Amanda, you're so amazing. And um, I'll be sending more information on how your ladies and listeners can get full access to a bunch of things that we have going on for balancing the superwoman. That's what we're calling it for 2017.
0: Yeah. And yeah, definitely. Like we'll get out the events that you guys have going on too and everything. So and if you're ever in Chicago, make sure you hit me up. We'll grab coffee.
2: Oh, definitely. Definitely. I love Chicago. I was just there visiting family. So I will see you next time. Okay.
0: Thanks so much. And enjoy the rest of your day and have a blast at Tony Robin. All right. Thanks, Amanda. (laughs) Bye. Bye.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the She Did It Her Way podcast. Did you like this episode? Head on over to iTunes.com to leave us a rating and a review. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out SheDidItHerWayPodcast.com where you can subscribe to our email list so you can receive the inside scoop on our latest episode released each Monday. Now, do us a favor and go make it a great week.